Moses. We started with him in a basket, and uh, Moses actually means drawn out of the water, because as a baby he was pulled out of the water, and so uh, named him Moses. Uh, He spent 40 years in Egypt. He spent 40 years in the desert. God now wants to use him to lead the children of Israel out out of Egypt bondage. And uh, we've talked about it. So Moses has gone into Pharaoh on a number of occasions, six so far. He said, let my people go. Pharaoh continued to harden his heart and uh, wouldn't let him go. And so uh, every time God has had to try to get the attention of Pharaoh and, and increasingly he's had to do harder and harder things. And every one of the plagues is directed um, at one or more of the Egyptian gods. And you have to understand that Egypt was a polytheistic nation, so uh, they had a god for everything. And uh, depending on what the situation was, that kind of determined which god that you went to. And there was, a, there was always a struggle in the Egyptian world of which god was more powerful. And so in mythology and, and, and things like that, you have this constant toying back and forth about which god was bigger and which God had more power. And so the God of heaven steps in and goes, okay, it's time for you to learn who is God and who is not. And so through a whole series of events, God sends these plagues and um, uses them to basically try to get the, the, the attention of Pharaoh. And, the, and, and it, so it's a judgment on the Egyptian gods. It's also a, a, a judgment on the people because they were treating the Israelites wrong. And so uh, you have this whole series. And so the first three were basically discomforting plagues. They made people very uncomfortable, the frogs and the blood and, and that. And then uh, the next three were destructive in nature. We talked about those last week. The three plagues we're going to look at this morning are designed to strike fear in the lives of the people. And uh, believe me, they do. These are the kinds of things that uh, get your attention and they get it very quickly. So we're going to read a lot of passage today. Uh, because I just hate to skip over it. So hang on. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to fly through a lot of it to, to get to the application, but I want to make sure we know the story. So with that in mind, here's what, we're in Exodus 9 and 10, and I'm going to skip some, but not a lot. So then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh, and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews, said. Let my people go so they may worship me. For this time I will send a full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people, so that you may know there is, not, there is no one like me in all the earth. For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the face of the earth. He said, basically what God's saying is, you know what? I've actually held back up until now. Um, but I have raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You still set yourself against my people and you will not let them go. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Um, Some people estimate, and again, I think this is a little off, but some people estimate the hailstones uh, went up to 100 pounds. Okay. Um, Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in a field to a place of shelter. Because the hail will fall on every person and animal that has not been brought in and is still out in the field, and they will die. In other words, he says, look, here's what's going to happen. Everything outside is dead. But I'm going to give you a chance here. Get it in, and it'll be alive. 
Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. But those who ignored the word of the Lord and their, slave, their slaves and livestock in the field. There's two groups of people. There's a group of the Egyptians who say, you know what, um, I'm not going to take the chance. We're going to spend the next 24 hours getting everything in. And there are other people who said, you know what, my God's bigger than that God. My God will take care of me. Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the fields, both people and the animals. It beat down everything growing in the fields. It stripped every tree. The only place where it did not hail was the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were. So again, from plague three on, we see it happening in Egypt, not in, in, in uh, the Goshen where the children of Israel were. Uh, two, there's also some fire that's mentioned um, in some passages, uh, some versions. So uh, basically people see it as an attack um, on, on two of their gods. But notice what happens after this thing hits. Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron, this time I have sinned, he said. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to the Lord, for we have had enough thunder and hail, and I will let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. And so Moses prays, and Pharaoh changes his mind. Um, again, attack on two gods. Here's one of them. Uh, this is, <laughs> I hate to say it, this is Nut. That's the name of the god, uh, the goddess. Um, she is known as the goddess of the sky. Um, in Egyptian things, you see the blue. Notice that's a, that's a, that's, that's a knot. That's the, the blue overarching thing. Um, that was, she was considered the god of the sky. So people would have been praying to her. Um, as far as the land goes, this happens to be um, Set. Uh, he is the Egyptian god, uh, basically of uh, chaos, of fire, uh, of disorder, violence. So you can imagine as this thing starts happening, it, these are the gods they would have gone to. They would have gone, please stop the hail. Not, please stop the hail. Stop the hail. What can we offer you to, to, to appease you so that you will stop the hail? And it's not until Pharaoh calls Moses in. And, and if you don't think that when this thing started, they were all at the temple worshiping, trying to get the attention of their gods, then you're missing the boat. Finally, Pharaoh has to call him in and say, okay, we've, in essence, we've tried our stuff. It hasn't worked. Will you ask your God? We've, we're wrong. Ask your God if he'll stop. And Moses prays and God goes, okay, it's, it's over. Now you think at this point, there's not a whole lot left, okay? But it's still not gotten the attention of Pharaoh. So notice what the next text says. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews said. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so we may worship. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground so that it can't be seen. Uh, you know, okay, look, I, I hate these little Asian beetle things that we have. And I have torn off enough siding around here to know that when you tear it off, especially the old wood houses, I mean, you know, those things are everywhere. Can you imagine locusts on the ground so you can't even see the ground? And everything moves? Um, you know, and it says they'll cover the face of the ground. It can't be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hail, including every tree growing in your fields. They will fill your houses and all of your officials and all the Egyptians something neither your parents nor your ancestors have ever seen from the day they settled in the land till now. Then Moses turned and left Pharaoh. 
<laughs> now, at this point, Pharaoh is so obsessed with the, not letting these people go that he won't even listen to his counsel of his own people. Listen to what they say. Pharaoh's officials said to him, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so they can worship the God. Don't you realize Egypt is ruined? Because of your stubbornness, don't you realize that everything is pretty much gone? How, what else has to happen, Pharaoh? Now, these are Egyptian polytheistic counselors going, wake up. And notice what he says. And Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship your Lord, your God, he said. But tell me, who will be going? Now, before I let you go, let's do a little negotiating here. So here's what he said. Moses says, we'll go out with our young, our old, our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds, because we want to celebrate a festival of the Lord. Pharaoh says, uh, the Lord be with you. But if I let you go, along with your women and children, clearly you are bent on evil. In other words, here's what he's saying. If I let everybody go, you've got no reason to come back. So, not only now, only have the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you've been asking for, then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. So, in other words, he comes to him, he goes, okay, let's negotiate this thing out a little bit. Um, how about you just take the men? Uh, let's, let's, uh, I'm going to let you go, but let's go that far. And the Lord said to Moses, because Moses doesn't go for this, okay? Because we're going to see this again in the next plague. But Moses doesn't go for this. Stretch out your hand over Egypt. Locusts will swarm over the land. They'll devour everything growing in the fields, everything that's left by the hail. So what little we had coming up that didn't get destroyed or that came up since the hail is now wiped out. Um, what trees weren't destroyed are now eaten alive. Um, and so now we pretty much have the whole thing devastated. And basically that's what comes. Pharaoh then goes, hey, can you get rid of this thing? And Moses again says, okay. And they end up dumped in the sea. Uh, basically it's an attack. Here is the God uh, that this one focuses on. Uh, this is uh, Osiris. Some of you may have actually heard of this guy. Um, he is considered uh, the God of fertility, agriculture, the afterlife, death, and resurrection. Uh, he, was a, he was a big player in the Egyptian religion. Again, each time, it's interesting when you study it out, each time we get to a more powerful God that God goes one-on-one -on -one against um, with it. So you would think at this point that Pharaoh would go, hey, um, I've had enough of this, but he hasn't. So notice what happens next. Then the Lord said to Moses, and, and it's interesting because Pharaoh doesn't get in a lot of these plagues, there was like a warning. There's no warning here. Um, this one on the third plague, there's no warning. Notice what it said. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. Um, I, I don't know if any of you have ex ever experienced this. Um, I remember as a kid, I did once. Uh, we were in Mammoth Cave uh, in Kentucky. We were visiting Mammoth Cave. And I don't know if they do this anymore, probably legally or liability-wise they can't, but um, what would happen is um, they, we were down in the cave and they told everybody, they said, okay, we want everybody to stand still. And the one thing you can't do is move because we're going to shut off the lights for a minute or so. And so everybody's, you know, they want everybody to get on firm footing, standing there and everything else. And they shut off the lights. 
And then they said, now what we would like you to do is we'd like to take your, take your hand and we'd like you to put it about an inch or two from your face. And I kid you not, you could not see your hand. I mean, it was eerie, eerie, eerie kind of dark. Uh, this is what we're talking about here. Um, so Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and darkness covered all of Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. I mean, you just think about this for a second. If everything went pitch black, black as black can be for three days, how would it limit everything you do? I mean, how, how do you even eat? Um, you know, how do you, how, I mean, how do you even exist in absolute pitch darkness? Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. So I don't know how this worked. I don't know if it's like a big curtain that God just put around Goshen and said, hey, you guys just have a great time. And on that side of the curtain, it's pitch black. And on this side, it's light. But Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, um, so again, how does Pharaoh, how do Moses and Aaron even get there? I mean, you know, do they have like one of those little lights to get there for, the, for themselves? Or are they kind of like this walking beacon? Thing? I don't know. But Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh. And notice what happens. Moses said, and, and, and he summoned Moses and said, go worship the Lord. Even the women and children may go with you. But leave your flocks and herds behind. Everybody, everything been wiped out. So he says, okay, you wouldn't take the first deal. Here's another deal. You go, but leave the animals behind. Notice what Moses, or knows what Moses says. Uh, you must allow us to have the sacrifices of burnt offering to present to the Lord. Our livestock must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord. And until we get there, we don't know how long it's going to be to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me ever again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. And um, Moses goes away. And the darkness um, is, uh, this would have really rattled the Egyptian culture. Because again, think about Egypt for a minute. You know, it, it, they don't have the winters that we have where it gets dark for most of the day. And, and it's all sun all the time. And now all of a sudden, it's pitch black. And they worshipped Ray, who was, they worshipped a number of gods associated with the sun, but this was a big one. Um, Ray is the sun god. I mean, this is the, the boy, I'm, you know, because again, everything, there's another picture of him. Everything was about the crops and the harvest and the Nile and everything else. And they're crying out to Ray to help them. And it's not until Moses gets rid of it, gets rid of the darkness. Um, so, you know, as, as we talk about it, um, you know, I, I wanted to fly through it because I want you to understand what God's doing. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of great applications and, and things for us. And you go, well, you know, nobody's going to ask me about Egyptian gods and plagues tomorrow at work. I, I get that, all right? So just hang on, and let me try to get some things that will help us as we go through the week. Uh, first of all, I want to deal with the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is this. I thought God was a God of love. Um, 
I thought God, you know, you know I, don't, I don't like this judgment side of God. Well, here's the thing. You and I, we, we don't like to talk about this side of God. But here's what you need to understand. They're like, well, since the cross, it's all love and this isn't going to happen again. No, no, no. Read your Bible. There's a time like this. In fact, there's an interesting, you want an interesting study? Study the difference, study the parallels between the plagues of Egypt and the book of Revelation and the things that happened in Revelation. It's a fascinating study. This is going to happen again. When God is going to step in and say, I'm now a God of judgment and I'm going to judge this world. So, you know, you go, well, I don't like that part of God. We may not like it, but it is part of it. Because if you'll think about it for a minute, most of us like justice, right? I mean, you want justice. When something is, when somebody is wronged, you want them to be made right, correct? But, but in order to have justice, in order for right to be rewarded, wrong has to be punished. You, you have to have both sides of it. You can't just have one side of it because, by the way, you want to know what I think is part of the problem of the way we're raising kids today in our culture? Is we are focusing on this part of it without focusing on that part of it. We don't want to go to a kid and say, that's wrong. We want to go to a kid and go, this is what you're doing right, and we want to just focus on what you're doing right. And so we have a whole world of a generation that, that, that we, have, we have praised and stickered to death. And we've never told them, you can't do that. That is wrong. I mean, even in, even in a way that, that teachers have to discipline in the public school today. You know, it is very difficult for a teacher to go, black, white, yes, no. They have to hedge everything to be politically correct. And so we've got this world in which this is all we focused on is the right, 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 right. And we haven't ever talked about this. But in order to have justice, rewarding right, you have to deal with that which is wrong. Okay? Now, now I'm, I'm going I'm to try, try to stay sh a little bit shallow with this and not go too deep. So if I lose you, don't feel bad. Okay, this is going to be the lifetime to grab this concept. Um, so when we talk about the cross, okay, what do we focus on? How, how do we look at it and say, we have a cross because God loves us, right? We focus on God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We focus on, when you and I look at the cross, we see God's love, Right? Here's the problem. That's only part of it. You see, when God looks at the cross, he sees it as a place of judgment. There's a cross because sin had to be dealt with. There's a cross because a just God who loves us also has to deal with our sin. So the cross, although it is a place of God's love, it is also a place of God's judgment. The reason Jesus has to come to this earth and live a sinless life and die on a cross is because of the judgment of God. Because God said, sin and God don't go together. You have to deal with sin. And you can't deal with it on your own. 
Every time you try, you're going to fall short. So God says, look, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to judge their sin on the cross. Judgment of God, that's dealt with now. And I am going to offer eternal life because I love them to anyone who wants it. We look at it and we go, God loves us. Let's talk about the love of God. Look, you can't talk about the love of God without talking about the judgment of God. They're connected. You can't talk about the love of God without understanding the holiness of God. They are together. So I like what one guy said. You either talk about the holy love of God or the loving holiness of God. They're connected. And so often what happens is we look at it and go, well, I don't want to talk about a God of judgment. But you need to understand there's a God of judgment. You get upset when things aren't, when right is not rewarded, don't you? Doesn't it bother you when right is not rewarded? Well, in order to reward right, you have to deal with wrong. They're two sides of the same coin. And so as much as we may not like talking about the judgment of God, we have to realize there is, God is a just God. And because he is a just God, there's a loving side of God, but there's a judgment side of God too. And they are together. And people go, well, you know, I, don't, you know, I just want to talk about heaven. Well, you can't talk about heaven rewarding those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ without talking about what do you do with those who don't. So if you believe in heaven, you kind of have to believe in hell. They're two sides of the same coin. And, and that's important for us to understand because we're in a culture, which again, we just want to talk about this. And we don't want to talk about that. We just want to talk about all the things you're doing right. You know, you talk to people in the business world right now. You know what they're finding when they do performance reviews? You look at a, you look at a person, you tell them, okay, you're doing these 10 things right. And you tell them that they're doing this wrong and they need to improve. They collapse. I mean, they're just shredded. It's like, how dare you tell me I'm not good enough. Like, wait a minute. The whole idea of a performance review is nobody's perfect and everybody can do something better. And yet they just collapse under the pressure of it. Why? Because they've never been, nobody's ever dealt with the other side of the coin. And moms and dads, listen, as you're raising your kids, yes, praise them. But there's got to be some discipline to be able to say, that's, that's, that's not right. We don't do that here. I mean, I do that with my granddaughter. Cute little lovable Claire. Let me tell you something. She's a Thomas. Enough said. Okay? There's a dark side. Okay? And I have seen the dark side. Okay? And Grandpa looks at her and says, Claire, we don't do that here. That's wrong. We're not going to do that. And right now, we're at that great age where when Grandpa speaks, okay, Kind of like an E.F. Hutton thing. Kids, go Google it. Um, uh, it, It's one of those kinds of things that, you know, all of a sudden now it's like, oh, you've spoken. You know, they're going to laugh, but I'm going to milk it for all it's worth right now. Um, you got to have both. you got to have both parents. You know, and if all you do is praise and you never, ever deal with this other side of it, it's not a healthy balance. It's not a healthy balance. Second thing, um, and this is, what, this is what makes this passage so hard, okay? Here, here's a question. 
What did that sheep do? Zip. Well, think of all the innocent people that, you know, because the Egyptians didn't, didn't bring their, their slaves in, their slaves innocently died. Yeah, here's the principle, okay? And if there's one thing I could tell parents, if there's one thing I think has to be stressed more than anything, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be stressed, but this is a big one. My wife and I talk about this all the time. Teach your kids this. Choices have consequences. You are free to choose whatever you want to choose. You don't get to choose consequences. That's for somebody else. And we're in a world in which we, 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 we minimize consequences. We try to keep our kids from consequences. And we're not helping them. We're not helping them at all. And I see this over and over again. You've got to say choices have consequences. You've got to understand that. You've got to drive that into your kids. Choices have consequences. And don't interfere with the consequences, mom and dad. Because I get news for you. The consequences when they're 10, 13, 14, 15 are far less than when they're 30, 40, and 50. And it's a principal thing that you're, you're teaching them. And, and when, we can ma- when we can master this, we can get this underhand for our kids. It is so important to getting them established to being healthy adults. I, and I, look, look, hey, have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed that you could take this average kid and we can put him in a military and he can go through basic training and all of a sudden it's like a, he comes out like a different kind of person? You want to know one of the secrets? This isn't brain surgery, okay? You want to know one of the secrets? You want to know what they teach kids in basic training from day one? Choices have consequences. And by the way, your choice is going to affect everybody in this group. No, you don't have to do that. You go ahead and say no. Now everybody's going to pay the price for that. Because choices have consequences. And you know what else they learn? You're going to do what you're told to do, the way you're told to do it, when you're told to do it. Period. How you feel doesn't matter. What you think doesn't matter. You need to learn to follow before you can lead. That's what they teach them from day one. Why aren't we doing that? Why do we all of a sudden go, you know, I, I don't understand this, you know? And I'm watching, you're watching people who are getting out in the world and they cannot make it because they've never learned choices have consequences. And it is so, so, so important. And, and I can't, and I get it, mom, dad, I've raised two, two kids. And, and, and one of them was really stubborn. I don't, I know, I'm not going to mention names because I don't want to impact your, your decision. Well, one of them was really stubborn. He got that from his mom. And he, and we butted heads a lot, you know. And I'll never forget, when I finally got this thing down, when I finally kind of got a handle on this thing, um, I'll never forget, you know, it was, I don't remember what he had done. He had done something. And, and, and last time he had done it, I said, okay, if you do it again, here's what's going to happen. You know, you're going to lose car keys and, and you know, you're going to have to call the bus driver and the bus driver is going to have to pick you up. Yes, I know you're a senior and I don't care. So you understand what's going to happen if you do this again? Yes. Yes, dad. You sure? Yeah. Okay, good. Boom. We're clear. And then he did it. Okay. And I'll never forget because I walked into his room and I said, 
Okay, here's what I heard. Is that true? He said, yep. I said, last time you did this, what did I say was going to happen? I'm going to lose car keys. I said, okay, car keys. He handed me car keys. I said, okay, thanks. Give them back to you in a week. Love you. Walked out of the room. I didn't. In the past, I'd yell, scream, holler, rant, rave. I didn't do any of that. Walked in and said, choices? Yep, you did that. Good. Consequence here. Now, you know what that meant for him? It meant that he had to call the bus driver, and the bus had to come by our house now and pick him up. He was like a junior or a senior. And sit on the bus with all the four, fourth and fifth graders when all his friends were driving into the school. And then he had a job, so it meant now that he had to call his boss, and I let him drive his car to, to work. But he had to take the bus home. Then I had to call his boss and rearrange the schedule so that when he did get there, uh, he could get off the bus, so he was 45 minutes, and move his schedule back 45 minutes away. And you know what? I didn't care. You know why? Because I wanted to produce a kid who understands that choices have consequences. And you go, well, you should have let him like take the car on days that he worked. No. You know, and teenagers are looking at me going, boy, I'm glad I wasn't here. You're glad you weren't my dad. And there's times I think I look back on my kids and there's times I was too hard. And I think there are times that I could have been a little tougher. Um, because any parent will tell you this. Any parent comes up and starts telling you they did it all right, run. They ain't got a clue. Okay? They're, 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 in, they're, they're, you know, they're in some other planet. But, I mean, seriously. Because, you know, and, but it was one of those things where all of a sudden I started realizing, you know what, this choice and consequence. If you lay out the choices in front of them with the consequences up front, it makes it so much easier. It makes it so much easier. I don't have to yell, holler, scream, rant, rave. You know, give them the lecture, which they tuned out after your first two words. And, and, and I see this over and over again. And, and I see parents running interference. The kid fails a test, and they're, they're on the phone to the texting or emailing the teacher. Oh, you got to do this, and you, you don't understand how this will impact their GPA, and it'll affect their college. And, blah, 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 blah. and they go through all this big, long lesson. Let me tell you something. If they're doing it as a junior or a senior... They're going to go try to do it in the workforce. You're going, to, you're going to run interference for them No, you're not going to be able to. So they're just going to fire them and move on to somebody else. So let them learn it as a junior or senior rather than as a 30, 40-year-old. When they got a family to support and everything else. And I just can't stress this enough, moms and dads. This idea of choices have consequences. Pharaoh's choices had consequences on the people. On a lot of innocent people. On a lot of innocent animals. Because choices have consequences. Pharaoh is free to choose. What, even Pharaoh's counselors are looking at him going, wake up, buddy. This is a bad decision. And he just kept plowing ahead with it. You go, well, you know, I just don't, I can't imagine that God would do, no, no, choices have consequences. God set up the planet that way. And when you and I make choices, we, there are consequences that come with it. And like I try to tell kids, good choices, good consequences, bad choices, bad consequences. And, and you know, and I, I understand you love your kids, but if what you're doing, I think sometimes we do it more for our sake than theirs. 
It's about us, not about them. I mean, it, you know, I mean, I may, I may sound really hard and stuff like that when I was raising my kids. The reality is I love my kids. I care for my kids. But my focus for my kids was I, I want you to be a successful adult out there. And I know what it takes. And I know what, the mistakes that I made, and I don't want you to make them. Um, and so I'm going to help you understand that if you make bad choices, there are bad consequences. And same thing, you know, you go into work this week. Look, you're going to have a choice on the way you handle everything in front of you. Good choices, good consequences. You may think that you have the right to tell your boss off. All right, that's a choice. Go make it. But don't be surprised when you're trying to figure out how you're going to get paid because you lost your job because you made a bad choice. And, and this is what I would say to moms and dads, particularly those of you with teenagers. When we grew up, the consequences and implications of our choices were not near as severe as they are for kids in 2020. Because I know kids that have made some of the same mistakes my friends made, and it was career-ending for them. Because it's a different culture. And not, there's not a much, as much leeway in some, in, down some paths and some roads. And I, I would just challenge you with this. Look, let's sit back and do the best we can to help our kids understand choices have consequences. And, and you know, if you need help, parents with younger kids, see my wife. She's a master at this. Okay? Because she, I don't think, you know, have you ever raised your voice in a classroom? Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, if she would ever yell in a classroom, I mean, I, I'm just telling you, the world has ended, you know. And she's able to take these little five-year-olds and go, um, we don't do that here. That's wrong. This is right. This is what we do. That's what we don't do. Um, and I know that because she does it with me. No, <laughs> you're not going to do that. You need to go do this. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And when she goes in to teach her voice, I'm telling you, we're all, all of us, everybody in the family is like, okay, yes, Mama Jean has spoken. Uh, that is now the law. And I just I challenge you with this because, listen, it's too much at stake with the generations to follow for us to get this wrong. I, I, I don't want to see them experience the heartache I'm watching some of them experience. I don't want to see them struggle like I'm watching some of them struggle because all of a sudden they get out into adulthood and the whole full force of consequences comes dumping on them. And yes, it might sound good that you, they look at you as the hero because they failed the test and you got them out of it and the teacher did this and they did that. You have hurt them. You have hurt them. Please, 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 please listen here. Teach your kids choices have consequences. Uh, that is so important. The other thing, just throwing this out because we touched on it last week. Don't, don't compromise. Um, at every point, Pharaoh was trying to negotiate with Moses. Hey, Moses, do this, do this, do, do it this way, Moses. Hey, and it would have been very easy at any point for Moses to go, you know what, that sounds like a good idea. Um, we get out of here that way, and, and you know what? Yeah, we'll go. God will take care of us in the wilderness, and we don't have any cattle to offer him. That God will, no, no, no. God said, you're all coming out, and this is the way it's going to happen, and Moses stuck to his guns the whole time. 
And this is I think, the third or the fourth compromise that Pharaoh throws his way to try to get him to change. And at no point does, does Moses step back and go, okay, yeah, we'll go with that one. He stands with what God says. And, and that is so important. And for those of you who are businessmen, I, listen, I understand. I don't understand. I understand the pressure to cut corners in the business world. And you need to know. I pray for you because I, I, I can't imagine the daily battle when your competitors are doing it cheaper and not right and lying and doing everything wrong and still getting rewarded. And it looks like they're getting ahead and it's hard to go, maybe we ought to. Here's what I would say. One day, you stand before God, accountable for how you ran your business. Run it in such a way that you don't have any regrets on that day. Moses is going to have no regrets standing before God because he didn't compromise and cut a deal with Pharaoh. He was able to do exactly what God said to do and exactly the way God said to do it and trust God to take care of it, and God does. Now, I'd say the same thing in, to you in the business world, to you in, at work when you're tempted to pad the timesheet, when you're tempted to cut the corners and take the longer break and to do all the things in the, the, the world that everybody else is doing and getting away with. We do it differently because we're followers of Jesus Christ. And we are held to a higher standard because we want to glorify Christ in all that we do and say. So that's my challenge to you as we head into the week. Um, a lot to learn, even from a bunch of plagues by a bunch of goofy-looking gods. Um, but, you know, you look at it and you go, how crazy would you have to be to go worship those things? Do we really want to talk about some of the stuff we worship? You know, a piece of paper with a funny name, with a, with a face printed on it. A plaque that goes on a door. A car that looks great when it's washed, but three years later you're wanting another one. I, you know, um, it, we can be just as silly. Uh, we can. We got to be honest with ourselves about it. Um, but their whole world was wrapped around it. So I end with this. God is a just God. There has to be a judgment side of God in which right is rewarded and evil is punished. Jesus goes to the cross demonstrating that God is just and there's a price for sin. But he offers salvation proving there's a loving side to God's nature. Pharaoh refused God's grace and his patience so he experienced his judgment. It's a warning to us as well. Don't make the same mistake. God is the one and only true God. So worship him. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Ah, Lord, it, we fight so many things. Culturally, we fight so many things. Emotionally, the way we're brought up. Lord, we want to do it right. We want to live for you. We want to honor you. Lord, help us. Lord, as we raise another generation behind us, may you help us to instill in them the fact that, Lord, you do love, but you also judge. Lord, may you help us to instill in, in the kids the idea of, Lord, the fact that every choice we have has consequences. And so we need to make wise choices. And then, Lord, for, for all of us, Lord, is it so easy to cut corners? Ah. Uh, 
Don't let us do it this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen.